Today's scripture reading is from the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have killed them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Word of the Lord. As, as we turn to this space in the service, will you pray with me? Loving God, as since the beginning, you've walked with humans in love and in relationship. Might you, through the words of Hosea today and my attempts to invite us to wrestle with them, remind us how you are a God who continues to walk with us. We were not meant to do this life alone. So might you, by your spirit, open us in new ways this day that we might be your people and an embodiment of your good news in this world. It's in Jesus' name we gather. Amen. Well, I wanted to start off by asking you a question. My question is, in your family as you grew up, what did you learn? What were the norms or the rules related to how to deal with hard things? How did your family deal with hard things? Now, in some of our families, if there was pain or trauma or woundedness, we learned that we just didn't talk about it, right? If any of you have seen the re recent Disney movie or know the song from your kids or grandkids, we don't talk about Bruno. Okay, you can see Disney Plus if you haven't seen it yet. So some of us learn, right, we just don't talk about those things. And often we learn that for really good reasons. Because we have parents and ancestors who are doing their best to survive. Many of them had experienced poverty, violence in their own community or family. And this is how they move forward. We just can't dwell on the past. Let's not talk about it. Some of your family has talked about everything, right? And you actually were like, please, can we just not have this conversation about feelings again today? Right? Some of you know families like that, or maybe you've cultivated a family like that. And some of us, we have any number of differing ways that we deal with pain and family secrets. Black sheep in our family Stories of the uncle that no one actually tells. 
And in some ways today, as we move into thinking about the book of Hosea, I want to ask and invite you to think about your own norms and how you've learned to deal with hard things. And in part, invite us to consider some differing ways that we can approach hard things in our personal lives, in our faith, and in the history of our faith. Additionally, I also want to actually deal with Hosea chapter 4 and the book of Hosea as a way of doing these things together. So, armed with that reflection, not armed hopefully this way, but coming with that sense of how you learn to deal with hard things, let's turn to the book of Hosea. Well, a few things about the book of Hosea for those of you who either don't know or some new pieces. As we've been going through the series on the minor prophets, as they are called in the Christian tradition, a thing that many of you may already have known that I only learned about two weeks ago, had an epiphany that blew my mind, was that you know that there are actually 12 minor prophets? And in the Hebrew Bible, it's called the 12. Now, the reason this blew my mind is because the number 12 is a little bit of significant thing in the Jewish faith, right? There's 12 tribes. So when God sends the one to call the people of the 12 tribes, in their scriptures, there are then 12 prophets. Kind of cool, right? Thank you. Thanks for throwing me that. I got a sure. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. I also have gone to seminary and got my PhD in theology, so I might be a little more nerdy than everyone else on that point. But it is a powerful symbolism to say that God is intentionally calling the people, calling to the 12 tribes through these 12 people who are reminding them of what it means to be covenant faithful people. Hosea is the first one both in the Jewish and in the Christian canon. It begins the, the book that happens and the minor prophets. It's thought to have been written around the time of Jeroboam II. And what's going on is that there's a rise of the Assyrian Empire. And the kingdom of Israel, it's now divided in two. You have Israel and Judah. And there's conflict within them. They're, they're not following Yahweh God the way that they had the covenant faithfulness to which they were called, and the prophet arrives to tell them and remind them and call them back to right relationship with God. The book of Hosea is one of the longer of the minor prophets. There are actually 14 chapters. The way that it's divided up, or you could take a look at it, is in chapters one through three, there is an image and a story around divorce and remarriage that is utilized to make the symbolism between the people of God and Yahweh God and other gods who the people have turned to. Then in chapters four through 11, there's a prophetic lawsuit of sorts where it's basically like, here's what you did. Here's what's not going well. Here's the evidence. You should turn and change because it isn't going well, people. I've summarized now chapters four through 11 for you. In chapters 12 to 14, it returns to some of this imagery around the husband and the wife, the husband being Hosea, the prophet, the wife being Gomer. A few things about this as we come to chapter four then, and a little bit more about this text. Hosea, as we were talking about this series, we wanted to uplift a theme that is pervasive throughout all of the prophets. And it is this sense that the prophet is the one 
who calls the people to return. The prophet is the one who calls the people to return. Like any other normal humans, they forget, they lose their way. And Hosea, like the others, embodies this theme and this sense of that we are a people who are called to return, to come back, that there is grief on God's part as God calls to the people saying, you have forgotten why I have called you to be my people. You've forgotten what you're supposed to be about. I mean, none of us ever have this problem, right? All of you, if you're partnered with someone, you've never forgotten why you married them. If you have anything you've committed to, none of you have ever struggled to remember your values, the mission of the company of which you're a part, right? All of us actually have these moments and these times where we forget who we are, what we're about, why we said yes to the things we did. And the prophet comes into that space and says, knock, knock. Hello, it's me. Remember? And then sometimes we like to pretend that they're not there the way our family learned to deal with conflict. Some of us try to talk them to death, the way our family learned to deal with conflict, right? These sorts of things happen. This call to return though, while it is pervasive throughout our entire Bible, is something sometimes that's uncomfortable. How do you deal with it? Like, right? I really like the story about how God's love is for everyone. And let's just focus on that, right? Jesus came, Jesus is for you. It's good news. Yay. And then sometimes you don't want to talk about or hear about or deal with the stuff where you already know you're not living out love the way you want. Where you already know, like we're failing as the church in this way to be the church. Ah, oh, but do we have to talk about it? The answer biblically seems to be, yeah, <laughs> we do. But the reason for that is not to harm us. It's not to make us feel shame just for the fun of it. The reason for the prophet is to call us to life. That God isn't content with us just kind of playing along and going through the motions. God doesn't want us to say, well, I'm covenanted with God. I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, relax for the next 50 years. No, to live in covenant relationship with God is to be a people who are in the relationship, who show up for it. Throughout this book, as you even heard from Stephanie when she preached, it's a theme that's pervasive throughout the prophets of Hesed. Hesed is the covenant loyalty, what it means to be in relationship. Interestingly, in this text, in the book of Hosea, God makes it clear that God wants to be called, uh, in this image of the husband and wife, God wants to be the husband. God wants to be the ish, actually, the man, instead of Baal, who is the other God, who is called Lord. Throughout Hosea, there is a sense through this imagery that God wants us to be in a relationship with God. This call to turn and to return then is one that is pervasive throughout this text. Now, in so many ways, I could end the sermon here and be like, let us be a people who return to God. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, because we should say amen to that. That's good. <laughs> 
That is absolutely the call at the heart of the prophets and at the heart of Hosea is the call to return. But I don't think that I would be honest about both the profound nature of that call and the way that God's spirit continues to unfold that call and the way that call connects with our time and our personal lives if I didn't say a bit more about this text. You see, the legacy and the history of interpretation of this text, particularly around the imagery where God is equated with Hosea the prophet and Israel is equated with the wife, the wife who in the history of interpretation and translation has often been rendered as the prostitute, who for sure was a woman who wasn't particularly committed to fidelity in her relationship. That text and that imagery while Hosea was employing it, I believe, as a way of telling the people, God wants to be in covenant relationship with you. Here's an image you understand, the covenant of marriage. Here's what marriage looks like. God wants to be that close to you. Throughout history, since the oracle from the prophet and the writing of it, this text has also been utilized to say, well, we all know what women are like in relationships. They're unfaithful. It's a text where the violence that's depicted in it and the way Hosea comes to Gomer has been utilized at times to justify domestic violence. Now, I think that's profoundly antithetical to the good news of Jesus and to the call of scripture. That doesn't mean it's not part of the history of how this text has been used. And why I started with the question about how did your family learn to deal with conflict is because I wanted to invite us to also consider how that is connected with how do we deal with problematic histories of interpretation and ways that our faith has been used to harm people, sometimes including us. Now, there's a few different ways, just like you learned in your family, that you can deal with this. The one is to ignore it. Let's just never talk about Hosea, okay? Agreed? So that's an option. A another way would be to just like cut that part of the Bible out of the Bible. Now, I don't advocate for that position just in case anyone is getting a little nervous. That has happened though throughout the history of the world and the church. Some of you may recall that Elizabeth Cady Stanton, the one who advocated for women's rights and the right for women to vote, she formed a women's Bible in which she cut out all of the parts of the Bible that she thought were profoundly sexist and misogynistic. That's what Elizabeth Cady Stanton did. Now, that's an option. But at the same hand, some of you may recall the story about the slave Bible. It was a Bible that enslavers utilized towards slave people in which they cut out anything referring to freedom, including the entire book of Exodus because we don't want the slaves to get free. If they knew that was in the Bible, what would happen? So of course, that is an option. You could just take out a you know, scissor and start cutting things that seem a little problematic or that you're not so sure what to do with. Then we have a few other options. One is to look at texts like this or histories of interpretation and say, I don't really know what to do with it. That's totally a legitimate option too where sometimes you come across things in your personal life, in the world, in the Bible, and you just say, I don't, Jeff, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> he has all the answers, right? 
No, but right, sometimes that happens where we just don't have the space or the energy to deal with it. And so we go to the texts and the places that we know feel good. We go to the Psalms, we go to Jesus because we know that love and truth and life is there. And then we have another option. The option with this is to, in the midst of community, to wrestle together with these questions, to come together and say, here's parts of my story that I don't need know how to deal with. Here's parts of scripture I'm not sure what to deal with. Here's things that are going on in the world and I don't know what to do with it. Now, maybe not shockingly for anyone who knows me even a little bit. For me, this is my preferred methodology. You don't have to do mine. And I honor that each of us, God's spirit works with us in the way that we're able to, okay? But for me, going to these places in my personal life, in our world, and in our text, and in the faith tradition that animates our lives, going to it and wrestling with hard things is important. And the reason for this is manifold. But all of them center around the idea that I believe that the gospel of Jesus is good news. And I believe that John meant it when he said, a love that is perfecting drives out fear. And I believe it when it says in John 10, 10, that I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And I believe it when it says in Genesis that all people were made in the image of God. I believe these things. I believe that our faith holds at its center, that through death comes resurrection. And I believe there is always more life that we can know in Christ than we know today. That we come afraid, getting out of our boats, sinking into the water like Peter, but we're still invited to come. So in part, I want to deal and wrestle with these texts and the places of pain in my life and in the world. Because I believe Jesus has more life for me and for us. Another reason I think it's important that we wrestle and deal with legacies like that of Hosea, which has been used to justify violence, that we deal with it because it matters for the faith and the good news of the gospel in our world. It isn't good news to say that God supports domestic violence. That ain't good news. And that is antithetical to the message of who God is and who we know in Christ. But if we don't tend to these things, if we don't deal with them, they become roadblocks and impediments for others. So even if A, you love the book of Hosea, totally support you, or B, you're like, I don't really, like, that, no one's ever told me about that history, I don't really care. How can we then, as people who are just living earnestly in the world, who maybe have had that history and it's impeding them from living into the good news of Jesus say, hey, that wasn't my experience with that text, but I hear you. And I think it's really terrible that that's the history of interpretation. So let's talk about how we can translate Hosea to our time, right? 
Let's wrestle then with, okay, what's going on in Hosea 1 to 3? Well, the point is, Yahweh wants to be in relationship with us that's covenantal and super close. I mean, I can get behind that. And then work together to be able to let this text call us anew to deeper life and deeper covenant faithfulness and deeper freedom. I believe that the good news of Jesus is that which calls us all to life. To engage the journey of faith at times can be scary. At times can be like, really, do we have to talk about this now? But I would bet for any of you, if you've been in any relationship or part of an organization or maybe a Christian for some amount of time, You've discovered that when you lean in and do the work, when you have the conversation that you don't really want to have, and you actually are vulnerable and open up, that you can end up more connected. You can end up more passionate about the mission than before. You can end up more alive with the truth in the sense that this is good news. So might you hear then today, however you come into this hearing, that the call of the prophet Hosea is the call to us to return. And that we can return and return and return. But there is always grace and love and healing. No matter what pain, no matter what family secrets, no matter what. Because God has come and dwelt amongst us in Jesus. Might you hear and receive this good news. Amen.